The Smithfield Murder, a short story from Bowman's Casebook by Richard James, part four. When a man is found hanged among the carcasses at Smithfield Market, Detective Inspector George Bowman questions the other stallholders. Hibbert's body lay face down on the butcher's block. As Bowman approached, Graves ran towards him, waving his arms in alarm. Hicks has opened the market, he yelled. Bowman quickened his step to join his companion. Boothbiss charmed him, now Hicks has acquiesced. There's a hundred people at the gates, all champing at the bit to get in. Graves' curls bounced on his head in agitation, and his face was flushed with concern. We can't have people tramping through this market, enjoined Bowman, while we're in the midst of an investigation. Where is Hicks? His question was answered by the appearance of the inspector himself. Hicks was carrying himself at full stretch, his chest puffed out in direct challenge to Bowman. Worry not, Inspector, he began. I've arranged for the removal of the body on a cart. There's no reason to delay the prospect of a day's living to these unfortunate souls. Hicks gestured widely to indicate the traders and sellers who milled about him. They can't all be guilty of murder. Bowman was seething. Inspector Hicks, he spat, you should know that you are here against my better judgment. If it were not for the Commissioner's insistence, you would still be scoffing eggs at the inn. Hicks' eyes were wide with incredulity. Where was your precious judgment on Lambeth Bridge, Inspector Bowman? Bowman was taken aback at the remark. He stole a glance to Graves, who could not meet his gaze. So, he had been talking. What do you know of Lambeth Bridge? Bowman felt his face flush against the cold morning air. He was fighting hard not to swallow. Hicks looked directly at his fellow inspector. I know what I know, he said unflinchingly. Bowman blinked. The events on Lambeth Bridge seemed a lifetime away. It came as some surprise that they had only happened four weeks since. Now, continued Hicks gruffly, I will have that body moved, and I will open this market. He reached beneath the folds of his great coat and, almost improbably, retrieved a ledger. In the meantime, he teased, I will leave this with you. It is from Boothby's office and contains a list of every man to be employed here. I've had my fill of intrigue for the day. He thrust the book into Bowman's hands and retreated through the throng. With a pipe between his teeth and a spring in his step, Hicks had every intention of spending the rest of the day at the Silver Cross. It took four men to lift Hibbert's body and lower it onto the cart. With the block now clear of its grisly burden, Bowman placed the book upon it. Where do we start, Graves? There must be over two hundred names here, and who's to say the killer is amongst them? Graves threw him a cheery look. It's a start, though, isn't it, sir? Bowman studied his companion. He had thought Graves dependable. A friend, perhaps. Bowman supposed it only natural that he should have been talking. The inspector had almost frustrated the investigation into the head in the ice, but for a moment of clarity, the end might very well have been very different. He had not been himself, he knew that now, and wondered whether he ever would be himself again. Yes, Graves, it's a start. Have a word with Boothby, would you? Get those gates closed again so we can proceed. Ask him of his whereabouts last night. Then direct your attention to the stallholders along this row. Sergeant Graves nodded his assent. 
turning away to Boothby's office while Bowman closed the pages to the ledger. It made sense, he thought, to interview those traders directly adjacent to number 34 to begin with. Hibbert's immediate neighbours struck the inspector as an unlikely pairing. The older of the two, a man who introduced himself as O'Shee, was a middle-aged man of Irish stock. A shock of ginger-red hair was barely contained beneath a bowler hat. His wide girth strained against his blood-stained apron. A pipe clamped between his teeth. O'Shee regarded Bowman with suspicion. I had nothing to do with the man if I could help it. He was a drunk, O'Shee sniffed. He went about his business, and I went about mine. He was joined by a much younger, wiry man with a pockmarked face. He stood with his hands in his pockets as he looked Bowman up and down. I wouldn't give him the time of day if his life depended on it, he drawled. And where were you last night, when Hibbert was killed? Bowman licked the stub of his pencil, ready to record such information as the two traders would deign to give him. With Boothby? At the Bishop's Finger across the way? O'Shee pointed beyond the market entrance to the street beyond. We need a pint or two to get us fettled before we put ourselves to bed. Bowman made a note and looked to O'Shee's companion. The younger man looked the inspector straight in the eye. We often head there after a day at the market. Were you in company? Bowman asked. Aye, confirmed the older man, filling his pipe with fresh tobacco from a pouch with a good many of those you see around us. Until the bell was rung and we were sent to our homes, if Gladstone hadn't had his way, we'd still be there now. The two men shared the joke, O'Shee jabbing his companion in the ribs with an elbow. Bowman sighed. William Gladstone had believed alcohol to be the curse of the working man. To curb his excesses, he had enacted a bill while Prime Minister to close public houses in the towns and cities at midnight. Then you had but two hours sleep. Bowman's raised eyebrow was enough to betray his scepticism. Does no harm once a week, O'Shee proclaimed airily. We don't keep Scotland Yard hours here, Inspector. His eyes narrowed. We work hard, and we play hard. As a preliminary interview, it had yielded nothing. Bowman nodded in understanding, tipping his hat in thanks as he snapped his notebook shut. With an impending sense of futility, he moved to the next stall. He was confronted by a frail-looking man with mean eyes and a shifty countenance. He introduced himself as Griffiths and retold the same story almost word for word. I closed the stall as the bell struck four, Inspector. His voice had a nasal quality to it, which, under other circumstances, could have been described as comical. Not a minute later. I know there are some here who will stay to mop up the dregs of custom, but, as I always say, a day's work is a day's work. Bowman couldn't help but agree, pencil poised for anything of import. I passed Hibbert on my way out. I said nothing to him. Griffith's voice rose, as if in anticipation of a dramatic climax. And he said nothing to me. He folded his arms, in the clear hope of saying nothing more. And then? asked Bowman. Quite predictably, the man lifted a bony digit to point beyond the market's entrance. I had an evening at the Bishop's Finger with Boothby. Me and a few others here go way back with him. Ask around, Inspector. You'll find I was in good company. We sometimes need a pint or two to get us fettled after a busy day. He threw Bowman a defiant look. It was plain he considered the interview to be at an end. 
Bowman suspected that every trader in the market would tell the same tale. He was happy to be disabused of the notion at the next stall along. The young man at the counter was busy at his trade. A sharp knife was brought to bear on a cut of beef. Bowman took the time to stand and watch the youth at his work. With expert skill he cut around the bones, removing them without a trace of meat attached. The resulting joint was rolled and skewered with a layer of fat held in place with string. Fine work, Bowman offered in admiration. The young man lifted his gaze to meet the inspector. He was the first of the traders to offer his hand in greeting. Bowman felt he should reciprocate. Stanley Kelly, the man announced, pointing with his free hand to an ornate sign above his stall. There his name was emblazoned, along with the legend, A Butcher to Trust. Reaching for his notebook, Bowman paused with his hand in his pocket. Perhaps it might be better to just converse with the man. Been here long? he inquired. Since Christmas, Kelly replied, carrying the joint of beef to a shelf. It was busy enough, but a butcher's trade is not a way to get rich. He lay a leg of lamb upon the block and set about it with a cleaver. I'm hoping you'll get this market open soon so I can make enough to keep a family. You have children? The man was clearly older than he looked. Three of the blighters. Despite the tone in his voice, Kelly's eyes lit up as he spoke of them. The oldest, Molly, she's five now. Uh, then I have twins of two years old. They'd eat all the contents of my stall if I let them. He winked at the inspector, a charming smile bringing colour to his cheeks. And I probably would. You take pride in your work, I see. Kelly was wiping his hands on his apron. Couldn't face me missus if I didn't. She's with the bairns all day, bless her. I couldn't go home to her at nights if I'd spent the day skiving. Bowman couldn't help but smile. Every now and then, but rarely, he would meet a man or woman in the course of his duties who restored a faith in humanity. Heaven knows he needed it. Stanley Kelly was just such a man, and all the more welcome in this investigation for it. The Empire would be a better place with more like you at its vanguard, Kelly. Kelly's eyes lit up at the remark. I'd agree with that, Inspector. There are too many men content to sit back and play the country for a fool. He leaned in, conspiratorially, lowering his voice almost to a whisper. There are many here to whom I would ascribe such behaviour. Men who are not afraid to break the law for profit. He moved back to his block again, sharpening his blade on a stone. Not me, Inspector. Sweat and hard work will see us through. He was back at his work again, deftly slicing meat from the bone before him. And put meat on my table too. Could you tell me where you were last night? I was where you'll find me every night. In the warmth of my own bed with my family about me. Bowman nodded in thanks and looked about him. Perhaps Graves was having better luck. Whistling through his teeth in exasperation, Bowman returned to Hibbert's stall to look through the ledger. There were over a hundred stalls numbered in its greasy pages. His heart sank at the thought of addressing every man inside them. If Hicks had still been here, he could have been sent back to the yard for manpower. He made a mental note to reprimand the man upon his return. Looking up, he saw Sergeant Graves approaching. He was shaking his head in despair. This is like a labour of Hercules. If truth be told, I'd rather be tasked with catching the Cretan bull than taking statements from every man here. Agreed, concurred Bowman sadly. And if I hear the word fettled once more, continued Graves, frustrated, I shall not be responsible for my actions. 
the sentiment was all the more surprising, given Graves' usually cheerful disposition. You heard that too? Graves nodded. I'd never known the word before, yet I've heard it four times in the last forty minutes. Heaven alone knows what it means. Bowman lifted his hat to smooth his troubled brow with the back of a hand. They've been schooled by someone. Why? Graves looked around him, suddenly seeing the market and its traders in a new light. There's a young man in stall number 31. Bowman traced his finger along the names in the ledger. Stanley Kelly. He tapped the name in the book. He seemed to suggest there are those amongst the traders who are not as honest as they could be. Perhaps Solomon Hibbert was one of the worst. Turning from Hibbert's stall, Bowman's attention was drawn to the steps by the market entrance. He was presented with a doleful sight. There sat Archie Walton, the young butcher's boy who had found his master on the hook that morning. He's got nothing, sir. Graves cast a saddened look in the boy's direction, and no other traders will touch him. Where will he go? Bowman's moustache was twitching. It seemed to him that Archie was an incidental casualty of the night's events. The inspector felt sorry for him. The street? suggested Graves, matter-of-factly. Bowman thought for a moment. Sergeant Graves, I'm going to the Bishop's Finger to speak with whomsoever I can concerning these men's stories. I'm of a mind to take him with me for a plate of eels. How would that please him, do you think? A wide smile spread all over Graves' face as he considered the proposition. I should imagine it would please him greatly, he beamed. <laughs>